And for our news briefing, I'm pleased to introduce for the uh, first time joining us here in the studio, Seo Mi Sorang. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. I think you are a familiar voice to our listeners, but maybe even more so for our television viewers of English Language Current Affairs program. So uh, thank you for uh, bringing your experience and expertise to our humble program here, no. Mi Sorang. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, we're going to start off mm-hmm. with a, uh, an issue that's been long Running for a while, uh, there was this shortage of the supply of masks. Uh, it caused the government to uh, engage in a rationing scheme mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone who needed a mask had one. It does seem like the situation has improved now somewhat here because uh, for uh, all Koreans, procuring masks for your family is now even easier. That's right, and that's because South Korea's mall supply has stabilized, and there's been a further easing of restrictions on both the purchase and the export of masks. So if we go back, back in March, the government put out a restriction on the purchase of price-controlled masks. We had two masks per person per week. Mm -hmm. Then uh, it later increased to three masks per person per week with proxy purchase available for children or the elderly. The quantity limit is now still at three masks per week per person, but starting yesterday, you can now proxy purchase for anyone in your family regardless of their age. And according to the Ministry of Food and Drug Safety, all you have to do is take your ID and provide proof of your familial ties right. to them. So before, if you had kids or if you had a grandma, you could, you could go. But now if, if your wife needs a mask, you can go to the uh, pharmacy and get one. So that's good news here. What about the uh, issue of if you wanted to send uh, masks to relatives overseas and you're concerned of their mask shortage in their respective country? Right. So in that regard, up until yesterday, the limit was eight masks per person per month. Um, So that still followed on from the two masks per person per week rule. Mm -hmm. The number is now 12 masks per person. And because you can send up to three months supply at a time, it works out to be 36 masks per person per shipment. Okay. And so when you have a uh, situation of uh, perhaps uh, not knowing the guidelines of how many you can send, what you can send, and uh, even what uh, person is actually eligible, because apparently even if you're a a foreigner, if you're an Australian national or a U.S. national, Mm -hmm. if you happen to be married to a Korean, you can also get one? Yeah, you're still eligible to receive these face masks from Korea, so that is one benefit as well. All right, very good. Now let's uh, get to another issue that has been unfortunately a side effect of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and that is... Uh, the fact that schools have not been able to open Mm -hmm. and they've been delayed. And you're going to give us a background on this. But the uh, Seoul Educational Office did now uh, give us some clarity as to uh, their their schedule and their stance on how schools will reopen. That's right. So Seoul's Education Office Superintendent Chu Hee-yeon, he detailed uh, yesterday when and how schools should reopen. Time-wise, year 12 or high school seniors, they will return to school tomorrow on Wednesday with younger students gradually following suit until everyone's back in their classrooms by June 8th. And this this time frame, it is in line with the new dates announced by the Central Education Ministry last week following the Itaewon cluster of COVID-19 infections. Mm-hmm. Now, this decision, it does come amid conflicting concerns. One, that a further delay will cause, you know, it will disturb the university entrance or employment plans of high school seniors. 
and two, that it's still too early. As of this morning, more than 230,000 Koreans, they have signed an online petition demanding that the government further delay the opening of schools across all grades. Yeah, and so I mentioned this yesterday. There seems to be a split in terms of the uh, concerns as to whether schools are being opened earlier. So for parents like myself of young elementary school kids, Mm -hmm. uh, there is maybe not as much a sense of urgency if schools have to be reopened. You have to send the kids Mm -hmm. back if you're fortunate enough to be in a situation where you actually can uh, care for them at home. And so uh, those people would be part of the uh, 230,000 who've signed that petition. It's different though with parents of high school seniors and junior high seniors who have to get ready to go into high school or uh, get ready for college uh, where the, the clock is ticking as to their admissions schedule. Uh, overall, though, will the students be forced to attend every single day? Well, it depends on the students' year level. So if they're in their final year, um, they will have to physically go to school every day. While for all the other 11 grades, it's up to the individual Mm. school. So each school can make up their own mind regarding the exact ratio of physical attendance and distance learning. But there is a bare minimum that's been set, and that's at one week of classroom attendance per week for elementary and middle school students. So they have to go at least once a week Mm -hmm. physically uh, to to be counted. I know that uh, that... I believe the uh, policy still uh, remains where uh, if the parents do feel that uh, they do not have to send the kids, they can uh, engage them in online learning and that will still count as attendance uh, Mm -hmm. for those schools. What about then, uh, again, addressing the concerns of a lot of these parents, including those who signed that petition, uh, the precautionary measures to make sure the kids are safe? Well, in the set of guidelines that were uh, outlined yesterday, there were, of course, things that we're now all familiar with when entering large buildings that will be populated and that are enclosed. So you have the usual twice daily temperature checks, Mm -hmm. compulsory wearing of masks, frequent ventilation, and so on. And to help with all this, this whole education office, they've installed thermal imaging cameras at each school and allocated five masks per student and three per uh, teacher. Right. And there is a sense that the uh, high school seniors, uh, almost of adult age, uh, they would be able to adhere to these guidelines uh, perhaps uh, uh, easier than Mm -hmm. kids of my age, again, uh, in in first grade, who may be taking off their masks or Mm -hmm. touching things that they shouldn't. So even with then all of these precautionary measures, uh, again, uh, as we've seen with the uh, recent Itaewon outbreak, things can happen. What happens then if there is a student or a staff or teacher who starts to show symptoms? Well, if they start showing symptoms, especially a temperature above uh, 37.5 degrees Celsius, then they should stay home and get tested. If someone does test positive, whether it's a student or a staff member, that means that everyone, Mm. so all the other teachers and all the other students, they will have to go back home and it's back to full-time distance learning. Okay, well, the the key here and the reason why maybe some people feel things are rushed is because we do have uh, a definite schedule that so far has been fixed with the college entrance exams with uh, Sunung. Uh, That has been delayed already by two weeks. Mm -hmm. Other people are saying you can't delay this any further in terms of the college admissions schedule. Is it possible, is it feasible that we could even see a further postponement? And the central question with regards to whether we can delay the college entrance exam is can we delay? the college entrance itself. Um, So yesterday, Education Superintendent Chu Yeon, he said that delaying the college entrance exams for a further two weeks to a total of one month postponement is not out of the question, especially given the highly fluid nature of the COVID-19 crisis. 
So very much possible. Yeah, and I don't think we have time to get into this uh, other debate that has been going on of whether Korea should change to the uh, September uh, admissions Mm -hmm. uh, system, uh, where I believe uh, Australia would be the only other OECD, and Japan are the only OECD countries that actually still follow the March uh, school Mm -hmm. year, right? And New Zealand. And New Zealand, (laughs) right. All the uh, Southern Hemisphere nations. Uh, Let's talk about uh, this uh, continuous rollout of the government's plans to provide Mm -hmm. some economic relief to uh, people who have been uh, damaged. Damaged from the uh, effects of COVID-19, the Ministry of Employment and Labor announcing uh, details of a a new COVID-19 relief fund. Mm -hmm. And this new relief fund, this time it's largely dedicated to freelance workers like you and I, Mm. the self-employed or those who are on unpaid leave. So to be eligible, your income needs to be below a certain uh, certain threshold. You either uh, need to show proof that your household income is less than 150% of the median national income or that your annual personal income is less than 70 million won. Hmm. In addition, you need to be able to prove that your income or sales volume has dropped by at least a quarter, 25%, in the months of March and April as a result of COVID-19. And once you're approved of uh, that you meet these criteria, Mm. you'll receive a total of 1.5 million won in two payments. There's been talk about an unemployment uh, insurance scheme for freelancers, not just Mm -hmm. permanent workers. Uh, I'll go out on a limb and say that uh, you likely would not have been uh, eligible for this (laughs) kind of fund. But uh, let's say that hypothetically you already received the the general emergency relief Mm -hmm. fund that was given out to all households. Is it possible then for you to actually uh, apply for this as well? It is. So even if you've received that emergency disaster relief fund, you can still receive the full 1.5 million if you qualify. Um, Applications are open from June 1st and the first pay will be handed out within two weeks of your application. All right. So uh, definitely uh, check out the relevant authorities and websites to see if you can apply if you are a uh, freelancer. Let's uh, turn to then the global picture in terms of the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, One country that has been uh, recently of uh, big concern for people all around the world is Mm -hmm. Russia. They have now the uh, second highest number of confirmed cases after the uh, U.S. What's the latest count? Well, as of yesterday, the official count was over 290,000 cases. The country confirmed some 8,900 new infections yesterday. So it is still a very large number, Mm. but it does mark the lowest daily increase since start of this month. So it appears that the growth uh, rate of COVID-19 cases in Russia is stabilizing. Right. It does feel like they're going to a plateau like the mm-hmm. U.S. where they're kind of kind of hovering around the 10,000 a yeah. little uh, under, a little above uh, in terms of new infections. Uh, their uh, case fatality rate is quite low compared to some of the other countries, which... Yeah, the given, are... uh, given the high number, yeah, the percentage of people who have died right. from it is... Uh, rather low. And so uh, that is one of the challenges is uh, one, the transparency or the accuracy of a, a lot mm-hmm. of these numbers. Uh, one of those countries uh, that has been called into question with that accuracy is uh, China, which mm-hmm. is the initial epicenter of this pandemic. And uh, no, now more concerns because there's a new cluster which has now brought about a new lockdown in China's northeast. Right. So the new COVID-19 cluster in China's Jilin province is continuing to grow. And according to the Chinese government, currently stands at around 35 cases. As a result, two cities within the province, Shulan and Fengman, have been designated high-risk areas. And to uh, show you the severity of the lockdown that's 
uh, been in place since noon local time yesterday. Only one person per household is allowed out every two days to buy necessities. Mm. Yeah, and so uh, certainly uh, they are doing everything they can to make sure that uh, they do not experience what happened uh, in Wuhan months Mm -hmm. ago. Uh, We're going to now uh, turn to something non-COVID-19 related, really more of a follow-up from yesterday. Uh, It was, of course, the 40th anniversary of the May 18th Gwangju uh, democracy uh, uprising. The, there was a big ceremony, and mm-hmm. the president was there, of course. Uh, president Moon Jae-in gave a speech uh, to the nation honoring the victims of the pro-democracy movement. Let's first have a listen to what he had to say. So we wanted to play this clip because uh, if you listen carefully, you'll notice that his his voice broke uh, Mm -hmm. at that one phrase where he was talking about citizens and then even the very young kids, the students who weren't part of the movement, but actually were uh, trying to help the people out sharing uh, these rice balls, Mm -hmm. chumokbap, caring for the wounded, uh, basically uh, talking about how the world witnessed this event, how uh, people who uh, were uh, neighboring countries who were democratic, people being maybe more Uh, inspired to try to go that path Mm -hmm. here in Korea, maybe trying to go past the age of dictators and hopefully having the May 18th memorial as well as this uh, Chanam Provincial Office Plaza be an inspiration for the rest of the world like Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen in places like Hong Kong. Now, uh, President Moon also did promise that they're going to finally try to get to the truth of all of this, which has been a decades-long effort right. as to uh, who ordered the uh, the massacre and the atrocities uh, of these uh, protesters in Gwangju. Mm-hmm, that's right. So, uh, as you mentioned, during that impassioned speech, the president, he reiterated his dedication to getting to the bottom of this, finding out who ordered the mass shootings and its subsequent cover-up. But at the same time, he also stressed that the purpose of the probe was not to punish people, but about properly documenting history. And he encouraged those accountable to show courage and confess the truth, even now. There is this line that uh, the president has been drawing, this sort of uh, cohesive connection between uh, what dates back to the March 1st movement against Japanese occupation and colonial rule, which uh, we see with these efforts to uh, recognize the history, the foundation of modern South Korea mm-hmm. from that point rather than from the uh, Lee Man uh, era. And then this uh, kind of linkage to these pro-democracy protests in 1980 and then the other pro-democracy protests uh, in 87, which mm-hmm. led to uh, free and fair elections and then ultimately the candlelight vigils uh, mm-hmm. back in 2016, which led led to the uh, impeachment of then-President uh, Park Geun-hye. And so that, those overarching efforts uh, does uh, come down to the fact that 1980, there are still some uh, untied ends, mm-hmm. so to speak, with 
president, the former president, the dictator Chun Doo Hwan, and uh, uh, his sort of uh, lack of contrition in all of this. That's right, lack of contrition, uh, a denial as well. Yeah, and so uh, there is a court case ongoing, but a lot of people are hoping that he himself will come forward and perhaps uh, ask for the forgiveness that uh, President Moon is talking about, and not necessarily uh, be worried about the punitive measures that are. perhaps what uh, people have in store for him. Because President Moon, he did also stress that if you do come forward, there will be a sentiment of healing and forgiveness. Right, and Mm -hmm. so the hope is uh, there could be some redemption for some of those forces that still remain. Uh, Let's talk about then how the political circles are coming together in this, and uh, this is fairly uh, unprecedented. We had the top lawmakers from both the ruling and the uh, opposition parties attend the ceremony, including the United Future Party's new floor leader, Chu Ho-young. Mm-hmm, that's right. And some media outlets, they made note of the fact that Chu Young, he was met with rather warm greetings uh, from those mm, other participants. Mm-hmm. This is in stark contrast to last year, when some citizens threw water bottles and plastic chairs at then main opposition party chairman Hwang Yo An. Uh, Chu was also seen singing the uprising's memorial song, Marching for Our Beloved, and held a meeting with groups related to the movement, including bereaved family members. Right. He even was uh, waving his fist, as people yeah. often do when singing that song. And mm-hmm. as you say, it's in stark contrast to what happened to uh, Hwang Gyoan last year. And again, I think it goes back to the previous point you were making where, with uh, Chun Doo-hwan, is that uh, the difference in the reception was that Chu Young actually came out quite uh, forcefully mm-hmm. with an apology, saying that, especially apologizing for last Last year's uh, debacle of Mm -hmm. uh, various lawmakers in his party, uh, essentially spreading fake news about this, Mm -hmm. still kind of running the old trope of North Korean infiltration Uh uh, during the protest. And so uh, trying to maybe make a turn for his party, uh, maybe try to separate himself from the uh, far right extremist elements in the party. We're going to talk about that later in our editorial uh, section. So uh, stay tuned for that. Let's get some tech news here. With uh, some of the uh, problems that people experience, uh, and this has, again, been a a long-going issue in Korea as far as online commerce, banking is concerned, we can finally perhaps see an end to this mandatory public certification system. Mm -hmm, Hopefully. So according to multiple sources yesterday, including the Democratic Party, the two rival parties, they are expected to propose and pass an amendment to what's called the Digital Signature Act tomorrow on the 20th. So if this does get passed, it'll effectively lift the mandatory use of the public certification system that's been in use for a little over two decades, one that's really considered archaic Mm. and infamous for making online banking and shopping a cumbersome experience. Right. Uh, And and just doing this uh, for over a decade, been been, um, constantly having uh, thought pieces, analysis on the problem of online certificates Mm -hmm. here in Korea. Uh, Professor Kim Gi-chang, the longtime uh, perhaps foremost uh, activist in trying to do away with the system. People often cite the uh, irony with Korea having this image as being so digitally advanced, uh, so Mm -hmm. high-tech, so cutting-edge, but having this online system, this archaic security system that even Microsoft itself, the inventor of Uh this, is is urging people to do away with, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. So, I mean, if you want to buy something from this uh, digitally advanced country... (laughs) And it's a, quite a nightmare. Yeah, it is. And, and a lot of expats have uh, ex- uh, experienced that, as, as have a lot of Koreans. But hopefully that is going to be in the past. All right, final story here. Uh, this is in regards to the uh, so-called Minshikibab or the uh, Minshik uh, law, which uh, has resulted in somewhat of a uh, disconcerting debate. Uh, a lot of drivers are buying up insurance schemes uh, to try to perhaps... Uh, 
buffer themselves against mm-hmm. this, but the uh, FSS has now issued some clarifications on that. That's right. So namely that one, if you are covered by multiple driver's insurance plans, even if you are covered, uh, payouts related to fines will only be given through one plan. And two, that any coverage is nullified once you escape the scene, as in a hit and uh, run, mm. or drive under the influence or drive without a valid license. Uh, to give you some time, uh, the, a change in numbers, yeah. according to the FSS, the number of new insurance plans taken out by drivers during the month of April was 2.4 times higher than the monthly average mm. during the first quarter this year. It almost feels like a money grab by the insurance companies mm. as marketing because they knew that there was a, somewhat of a dispute or a concern about the uh, the Minshigi law saying, look, mm-hmm. you guys are worried about if you go 30, 35 kilometers an hour in that zone, we'll get, we got you covered with this new insurance plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people maybe uh, thought that that would buffer them. But bottom line is... As, again, a, a parent of two young kids who have to go through these uh, school zones, just, just drive like a decent <laughs> human being right. like, like they do in, in the rest of the world and adhere to stricter laws mm-hmm. in those school zones so that we don't have these tragedies that happen to uh, parents like uh, the parents of Minshik. That's right. And if you need to take out an insurance, take out just one single high coverage one. Right. That should, that should do it. All right. Well, uh, that is going to do it for us today as well. Um, Mi Sorong, thank you very much uh, for... All of that uh, and uh, certainly hope uh, and look forward to more reporting in the future. I believe we'll see you again on Thursday. That's right. See you on Thursday. Thank you.